We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Good morning. If you're listening to this in the dead of night, I recommend you press <laughs> pause and go to sleep. It's Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you for Mavs Moneyball After Dark. The Dallas Mavericks just outlasted the Los Angeles Lakers 109-104 to 104 in what is the final late game of the regular season for the Dallas Mavericks. Josh, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, wow, final late game. That is music to both of our ears. I'm telling that's, you, man. That's causes like, for celebration. Friend of the friend of the show, Tyler Adams, sent me a uh, a text during this, and and he's it's like the next slate of games are at seven six thirty or no, it's four o'clock. There's a four o'clock game. Um, later on in the in the latter half of the month, it's basically like the Luby cafeteria <laughs> schedule where everything starts at six thirty, and I am here for it. Is what I'll say. Yeah, me too. So um, yeah, let's just you know. <laughs> so let's just talk about the game. The Mavericks beat the crap out of the Lakers in the first half to the point of where they exposed them as the fraudulent morons that they are, led by LeBron James and whatever corpse Russell Russell Westbrook is these days. And they were beating the Lakers seventy-one to fifty-six at the half, and it was every possible hope that I. Uh, I hate the Lakers. Like beating <laughs> the Lakers is a fucking religious experience for me because they have hurt me so much during my fandom. So every Lakers win feels good. And frankly, I mean, they beat like the Lakers beat the Mavericks earlier this year with Austin Reeves, just like murking the Mavericks from outside. It was awful. So, you know, you see a game like that. It's like, ah, oh, this is going to be a great win. We're going to have a great time. And then in the third quarter, Luka Doncic and secondarily and this is kind of i'm kind of curious to your thoughts on this jason kidd let the mavericks get destroyed and just kind of let it happen so the lakers outscored the mavericks 31 to 14 in the quarter 
And then in the fourth quarter, basically to take the lead by two going into the fourth, the Mavericks do not. That that's it's it's one of their few wins uh, in in the season after trailing through three quarters is what I'll say. And then the Mavericks came back to win because the Lakers suck. Um, what did you think about that third quarter? Because I, it was like watching a horror movie. Yeah, it was very much. Uh... You know, I mean, it was very worrying because I thought we were going to come into this podcast and potentially talk about, you know, another game where they lose the same way, where they just, you know, generate some decent shots for their role players and the role players just don't do anything. I mean, that third quarter, I wouldn't necessarily say they were like playing awful, but it was just another case of a team turning up the pressure defensively and the roster just not being ready Mm. for it and you know guys were missing shots and it led to the lakers getting out uh in the transition a little bit more but like you know that third quarter i mean what stanley johnson made like three threes in that quarter i think lebron (laughs) made three like i mean that the game shouldn't have been close like you know two guys that aren't necessarily great three-point shooters i know lebron's you know better but like stanley johnson should not make multiple three-pointers against you in a quarter uh, and to get outscored 31 to 14, you know, the 31 is bad, but like the 14 is what sticks out to me. And it just kind of, it kind of sucked that they weren't able to come out and, uh, step on their throats and put the game away, but you know, they're in LA. So the end of a three game road trip, Luca had his birthday party in LA. I mean, they're, you know, the Lakers just got embarrassed on national TV so you, uh, against the Pelicans previously. So you had to figure that they would have a better effort like tonight. Uh, there was definitely a sense of desperation, I think, in the way the Lakers played at points during this game, especially in the second half. Uh, but yeah, it was just it was just disappointing because it was you know it was the same stuff. It was you know Maxi Kleba missed a wide open three, Bullock was one of seven. I mean, I swear, you know that was one of his worst shooting games. I mean that was yeah. that was November December Bullock, uh, unfortunately, or October November Bullock. Uh, you know Brunson had such a great first half and he he claimed a couple of shots in the third quarter. It was just. It just sucked. Like Luca was real bad. Yeah, Luca was bad too. Yeah, he missed all five for most of the game. For like he was clutch and 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 for the first time in a while in the in the final five minutes he played really well. He basically um, he basically embarrassed LeBron on a couple of possessions. There was a floater that Luca hit after LeBron fouled the shit out of him on the perimeter, and the ref just didn't call it, and LeBron knew it, and then let Luca go. Yeah. Uh, but past that like like Luca was 0 for 5 from 3 he missed 4 free throws he had 6 turnovers he had a negative um assist to turnover ratio for the first time back to back since I I mean he had 9 turnovers against the Warriors so he has 15 turnovers to 7 assists in his last two games and the Mavericks have won both games yeah that's crazy <laughs> I'm looking at it now the third quarter Luca was 1 of 4 in the third quarter and Jalen Brunson was 0 of 4. So Which, to give you perspective, yeah. Brunson only missed six shots. <laughs> so and he hit and he took 15. Yeah. So he, he missed four of his six in one quarter. Right. So your two best players combined to go one of eight in a single quarter uh is not great. <laughs> like, I mean, that's it. That's that's why the game got close. And and yep. when you when that kind of stuff happens, you know, you're just inviting weird stuff to happen on the other end. You know, like you can weather a weird once in a blue moon Stanley Johnson night if you, you know, the Mavericks didn't need to score 
you know, 30 just to keep pace, you know, if they would have scored 23, you know, 21, 22, 25 points, it's still, you know, a double, they're still cruising into the fourth quarter, but they just, it was just so anemic that they let the weird, you know, weird stuff uh, was able to hurt them. And it did, you know, Lakers started making some threes and uh, thankfully fourth quarter things kind of turned around and uh, you know, they were able to hang on. Well, and once again, this is very important of value to me, at least Spencer Denwitty contributes a remarkable line in just 24 minutes, 14 points and nine assists to two turnovers where, and including a couple of threes that had no business going in. And I, I just continue to, I don't know how Xavier Santos, who who writes for Mavs Moneyball has been yelling at us about Spencer Dinwiddie for like a year and none of us really wanted to listen and watching him play with Luca. And then honestly, without Luca against these second units has been really impressive. Uh, it's made the Brunson. Um, I don't want to like, it's hard. Like no one wants to be hard on Brunson. He was good tonight. He had 22 points on, on 15 shots, four assists, four rebounds or four steals for Brunson. Um, but Brunson has not been the consistent guy that he was for the first 40 games. I think that's a fair enough thing to say out loud. Dinwiddie coming in and providing this off the bench has been invaluable. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I was in the off season, I was very much in for Dinwiddie. Um, I mean, I was with Xavier. I think we were, we were captains on that ship, but man, he was so bad. <laughs> he was just so bad. And uh-huh. I know there's a lot of people, you know, now after the fact being like, well, you know, the Wizards were a terrible situation and it's clear, you know, that that team just had no direction and it wasn't a good fit for him. And, you know, he's with the Mavericks, he has a set role and yeah, all that stuff's happening. But like, I mean, I don't watch every Wizards game, but, you know, I try to follow Wizard writers and and people around the league and like everyone was saying like, oh, well, he he left a bad situation. He's in a better one. And I'm in my head. I was like, wait, everything I read he contributed to that situation being bad Uh Yep. Uh, that, that, you know, he rubbed his teammates the wrong way in the locker room with some statements he made. Um, You know, the, you know, he played the way he played. Yeah. Maybe he didn't have a great role in the offense and have a set direction, but he sure found him, found a way to take plenty of shots and not make them. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, you know, like, uh, and I'm not trying to dog on him. Like, but it's it's, true. The tape was there. Yeah, it's clear it was a bad situation, and you know maybe I should have taken that more into account. But it was just, it was just bizarre. Like I don't think it was, it wasn't a, as much of a lock I think for him to be doing what he's doing now, considering just how bad he was in Washington. No matter how bad the situation is, I mean he was shooting like twenty percent uh, in in the month of December, but uh, you know before the trade, and I was just like, man, you know coming off the ACL, I, you know I'm still in favor of the KP trade because they needed to just move on. But I just. I was like, whatever Dinwiddie gives them is a bonus. And this is like a crazy bonus to me. Um, man, you made an interesting comment on our last podcast, Kirk, about Dinwiddie. And you, you were talking about, like, uh, they're talking about Dinwiddie as Brunson, Brunson insurance. And you were wondering, like, maybe Brunson is Dinwiddie insurance. Uh, and I got to thinking, like, Dinwiddie feels like the uh, backup plan break class in case of I mean not break class in case of emergency because he's going to play but it's starting to feel like in these matchups where Brunson might struggle against length against these premier teams you know he just combined for 16 points in the Golden State Utah games you know those teams 
have a lot of long, lanky perimeter defenders. He's going to see that in the playoffs. Maybe Dinwiddie, maybe the Mavericks, part of the trade was like, hey, if Brunson can't do what he's doing in the playoffs, like if he can't, you know, be the guy he's been all season in the playoffs, we got a guy that we think can handle it. And I think since the All-Star breaks ended, it's been a nice audition for what Dinwiddie could potentially do in a playoffs situation. I mean... We have been clamoring for ball handling for yeah. two years. Two years. And by ball handling, we mean people who can dribble and make plays off of the dribble. Dorian Finney-Smith has been a revelation in what he has been able to do off the dribble this year. But he is not the ball handler that we mean. Dinwiddie or someone of that ilk is what we have been talking about. Because in terms of of allowing guys to do, allowing the Mavericks to be more unpredictable, it's been really fun. And I didn't necessarily want Dinwiddie. I want to go on Drogic. That's evident. I, I sort of made guesses that Goron might be better than Dinwiddie now. That is not true. Dinwiddie has been excellent and there's still room for Dinwiddie to get significantly better. So there's just a lot of fun about something like this going on where the Mavericks have plenty of opportunity to continue to figure out ways to leverage situations. I don't necessarily want to say improve because let's be clear here. If they were to fan stay in the fifth seed, it would be by the grace of God and the fact that they did, you know, just enough to stay. If they if they fall to sixth, it is what it is. The teams above them on the, the Western Conference totem pole are better than they are on paper. I don't want to piss people off when I say this, but it's just like it's true. Like regular season matters. We've seen it time in and time and again. But that doesn't mean that in a seven-game series, the Mavericks can't win. And what I'm actually really getting a kick out of right now, and I had a great time with this with friend and fellow enemy and occasionally enemy uh, Matt Moore of of, uh, debating kind of today where it's Luka can really, really make a series interesting. And then you add a guy like Dinwiddie who can do just enough. And then Brunson who who can give you two amazing games. And I just sort of throw my hands up in the air. I, they're, the Mavericks are not going to be favored in any playoff series they play. That's something I want to set the table for now. When they traded Kristaps Porzingis, that was the understanding. That they've continued to play well is more of a bonus than a, a feature. And if anyone in the local media market will tell you otherwise, they don't know what they're talking about. This was a long-term thing to say, okay, we're no longer doing the Porzingis thing. Okay, That lowers their ceiling. But the fact that these guys work is incredible, and I'm delighted for it. And so with that in mind, if they play, let's just say the Memphis Grizzlies, who I've spent a day talking shit about, I really <laughs> think, they could, I, I think they could beat the Grizzlies. Luca, you know, um, Jean Morant's been in the league for three years. He's beat Luca one time in a head-to-head matchup. One time. Luca is 5-1 and one against Ja. That matters to me. Just does. The best player matters. And so I'm really excited about what this means, but I'm still sort of like, like I, I, I think like my expectations are starting to reside in the cautiously optimistic, 
where if they were to lose in a seven game series, I'm going to be sad, but I'm not going to be upset. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's probably because they've already started to shake up the roster, which is what we've been clamoring for, right? Like, you know, if they lose in the playoffs with after making that KP trade, it's different than if they didn't and they and they held Pat, you know, like there's just there's a different level of expectation now. And now that we know if they're willing to move off of Przingis and they're willing to do, I mean, I assume that they're willing to do anything non-Luca on the roster in terms of yep. wanting to move pieces around. Because if you move a piece as big as Kristaps, like you just imagine no one else is on, you know, everyone else is on the table besides Luca. So yeah, I get that mindset, you know, now that the team has kind of shaken up the rotation in a significant way for the first time in three years, uh, you know, if they lose, it's like, all right, well, you know, there, there's something, there's potential for change and more change. Um, going back more to this game, you know, it was just absolutely bizarre to me. Like, did you know the Mavericks did not make a field goal in the final three minutes of this game after Luca made that floater? Uh, with 301 left uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, the Mavericks did not make another basket. Um, that really? And, yes. Luca made a six foot floater with 301 left in the fourth quarter. And the only points that, you know, they finished with 109. It was one Dwight Powell free throw and then one more Luca free throw. And that was it. Um, so it was, I, I got scared in those last two minutes because I was like, the only reason they're winning this is because Lakers are a tire fire. Um, you know, they scored 38 points in the second half. They don't make a shot in the final two minutes. Like that's the kind of stuff from like, Ooh, like, you know, if this was a different, you know, you can't do that in a, in a playoff yeah. series against Utah. You can't do that in a playoff series against Memphis. You know, you can't do that in a playoff series against, I don't know if they play the nuggets or, you know, whoever they play. Um, so like that is concerning and, there, and there's some things from the second half that worry me, but at the end of the day, when you looked at the schedule and you saw first three games at the all-star break at Utah, at Golden State, at Lakers, I mean, I think we all would take, we all would have taken two and one and been happy about it. Hell, if they mm-hmm. would have won and two, I would have been like, all right, you know, that's understandable. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad they were able to get this win. It makes the Golden State win feel more impactful because uh, you don't move up the standings without you know you got to move if you want to move up and if they want to get home court you know it's not just about beating the teams you're supposed to beat and losing to the teams you're supposed to lose you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat and then steal a couple of those games you're not supposed to win Uh Uh, and they did that so that's that's all to couch it and say when they play the warriors again if (laughs) they get the shit kicked out of them what i'm gonna do because it's a 7.30 start time, I'm going to come into this game. I'm going to come into our podcast zen. Right. I might be lying. Let's understand <laughs> that. I, I, I'm attempting to set like my own brain's expectations because coming out of this series, like with they played a little above their weight finishing the post-All-Star, pre-All-Star break six and seven. And so mm-hmm. to go two and two, let's just say that with these first four games is interesting. If they are better than that, that's amazing. And and I, I think that's a good sort of sort of tone to set because they do have a tougher schedule. We don't talk about it enough. Yeah, totally. Um, I know they still play some pretty bad lottery teams to close it out, but I mean yeah. these first four games are, are brutal. They've got two games against Minnesota coming up soon, and Minnesota's on Minnesota's a big run spicy. right now. Yeah. Uh, exactly the type of team that can give the Mavericks trouble, just lots of athleticism, 
lots of kind of boundless energy. Um, so yeah, they, you know, it's just nice. You know, I mean, they, there was so many reasons in the world for them to come back to earth, you know, with the layoff, uh, you know, Luca looked pretty mortal the first two games. And I mean, let's be real. He still hasn't really strung together a start to finish game since the all-star break ended, you know, I mean, uh-huh. Utah, the Utah Golden State Lakers game, he was, he had very inconsistent from quarter to quarter. Uh, you know, he, he did what he needed to do to get them the two wins, but you know, so the fact that they're able to kind of survive him not being uh, as sharp as he was right before the all-star break, like that's nice. Uh-huh. Uh, they really needed that. And yeah, I mean, didn't when he keep, didn't when he keeping it up? I mean, nine assists off the bench is, is pretty crazy. I mean, Brunson, Luca had nine. I mean, it's just there's so many positives to draw from an ugly game. Yeah, Bullock nice. and Bertans were one of eleven from three in the Mavericks one. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. And, and I want to throw this nugget out just before we leave because I kicked the shit out of this poor boy, and I probably always will until the Mavericks move on from him, which um, maybe they will one day. Josh Green, ten minutes, really effective, six points, four rebounds, two assists, including a post up. Uh, where he just <laughs> destroyed someone on a hook shot. It was great. Yeah. I mean, he's that's two straight games for him doing stuff in, in mm. his minutes. So the Josh Green doing nice stuff see. minutes are <laughs> there. It's just a lot of fun. That's the true bonus. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there is a lot of potential for this to be a grumpy podcast, uh, you know, the way that game was going. And it's it sucks that it had to be closer than it should have been. But yeah. All things you considered, know, you, you, you got to win ugly games. You can't win every game by a hundred points. Right. Exactly. Well, guys, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. I'm going to host a green room after this because I'm a masochist. Um, mm-hmm. Be sure to continue to visit Mavs Moneyball. Please subscribe to our our podcast if you're just happening to catch catch us for the first time. We've grown our listenership by quite a lot. Uh, the other night, I had asked everyone to download just in case and we hit the goal that I was hoping for. And then some, and we're just really excited uh, that everyone is enjoying talking about the Mavs like Josh and I are. So uh, we'll be back Thursday night uh, earlier because they play seven thirty game. Josh, do you have anything before we get out of Dodge? No, let's uh, let's get out of here and, and enjoy your green room. It should be a fun one. And I love those things, but I also have a hard time. I have a hard time when they're winning, cutting people off. And that last one went 90 minutes. If I, I can't do that tonight. I'm too old. <laughs> I say that, and then it'll be three in the morning. It, oh, well, so fuck well. it. Oh. You only live once. Right. Everybody be good. Enjoy your Wednesday and your Thursday, and we'll talk Thursday night.